0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
2: Welcome to the Drivers' Meeting Podcast, presented by Bet Online. Thank you. Welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast, another episode, and we are back. uh, I mean, back as in NASCAR. NASCAR is back in action. We had a great weekend at Watkins Glen, as I said, four races going on, and we'll get to that in just a second. But first, I want to give a shout out to our awesome sponsor, Bet Online. the fastest and easiest way to get into all your sports action, and it's where you should go to win money today if you're into sports betting. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. So make sure to visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head over to BetOnline and start playing today. So I don't know if you've heard, uh, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. Uh, I was reading a press release on how he started taking pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that's what has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. So the cool thing is we've got a promotion running with balance seven right now on the believe podcasting network, where if you go to their website, balance 7com and use the code believe at checkout, you'll receive a free four ounce bottle of my smooth skin with any purchase of balance seven products. That product retails at 1399. So I'd say it's worth it again, head to balance 7com and use the code believe at checkout to get in on the promotion. I know it will, if it worked for him, it could work for you too. All right. So, we're here on the Drivers Meeting Podcast uh, after a week at Watkins Glen Racing. But first of all, I, I really am excited for our guest today. Uh, for me personally, I mean, as, as a kid, and I know so many people watching NASCAR have watched Monster Jam and different uh, other types of motorsports. I mean, we just recently had a couple of collaboration, like me and you, Scott, were talking about with NASCAR and Grave Digger was on the number four of Kevin Harvick's car. But I mean, for me, it's really cool to have you on here, Scott Douglas, the voice of Monster Jam for years. You know, I, I think it's really awesome having you on here. We're just talking about your show that you do, which I, you're also recording uh, later tonight. So, how has that you know been for you, kind of taking on that weekly?
0: It's, it's, it's a whole new world. And, and of course, you know, uh, like so many people, you know, the pandemic left us uh, with, with a lot of questions. Okay, what's next? Because what we had done for me, what I had done for 30 years, you know, just went away. And um, so I got some, you know, I got, got some great people that I can work with um, who I've worked with for years. And so I started picking a lot of brains and uh, created my own company, Scott Douglas Media, and uh, uh, my buddy, Matt Isbell, uh, who, who runs a company called Overdrive Reality Productions, builds websites. And so that was, you know, kind of phase one and then getting the right equipment. So I have a home studio and I'm able to do voiceover work, vocal coaching, anything like that from a home studio. Because clearly for a long time, you know, wasn't going anywhere. And it was how could you find a way to make a living here? And Matt actually uh, came up with the idea. Actually, was my daughter first beating up on me for no, no social media presence. Uh, but then, then Matt took that idea um, to the idea of doing a talk show. And what was appealing to me about doing the talk show um, without the TV constraints, you know, for for all the years, you know, you do interviews that are sound bites, um, you know, 30 seconds to do a one or two minute interview in the TV world is, is lengthy or to do a 15 minute interview is going to get cut down to, to 60 seconds or 90 seconds. Um, so the, the appeal in the live streaming format, even though it was a whole new world to me was the ability to do long form interviews, something I've always enjoyed, but never had a lot of opportunity to do. And so, uh, Dennis Anderson was my first guest and, and literally we just told Dennis Anderson stories for two hours and, you know, the next show is Tom Mintz. And so we've gone on from there and got all kinds of, of different guests and a lot of the, uh, the, the up-and-comers, you know, the Tyler Menegas of the world and the Michael Burgers have come on. Um, but I, I think the, uh, some of the fun has been to get people like Jim Cramer and Gene Patterson and Gary Porter and Mike Wine, guys like that, Army Armstrong, to come on the show. And now the, the difference of the world is, and what I'm getting to understand, is that not only do we have them recorded, but they're out there, you know, for eternity. And I don't want to get morbid here, but twenty or thirty years, some of us aren't going to be here anymore. And, and now we have these stories, and, and that's the cool thing. Because one of the, the things that used to bug me, trying to um, call Monster Jam and Monster Truck events, um, was the early days. Nobody kept stats. There wasn't a Elias Sports Bureau. There wasn't the great, you know, stuff NASCAR created to track every race. And you know, so many. We, who knows how many wins Dennis Anderson has? You know, uh, there's no way to know. Because really, until Monster Jam, and, and I was one of the ones who did it, and a guy named Larry Jewett especially, we, we kind of took the ball and ran with it. But really, in the World Finals eras, where we have good stats. And now there are people online keeping them. Um, you know, a, a lot of uh, big fans keep their own stats, and we'll, we'll track everything happening in all the different series. But, um, yeah, so, so having some of that history and being able to put it out there, Twitch is a different platform. We've enjoyed it. Um, we may try to expand it here
2: soon, but, uh, yeah, we're going to – we're gonna keep doing the shows there for now, and
0: and uh, looking for some more fun guests.
2: Man, yeah, and I, I know you were talking about all the guests you've have, had on, and the way that Monster Jam like didn't you know keep stats before maybe and stuff like that. I know it's like it's definitely evolved a lot, like the sport of, of Monster Jam. I know because before going to events, you know it was kind of now that now they have so many different more competitions i know there's like a there's point standings they have for different um you know groups they kind of put people in on different tours and stuff like that like what have, what have you noticed like most uh how how monster jam is transition kind of you know evolved over time like added new things but still stayed as like that big excitement thing that that you want to go to every time it comes you know yeah you know?
0: and and what we found post pandemic or well i guess we're still kind of dealing with it but as things have opened back up, there have been a lot more opportunities for other promoters than just Feld Entertainment and just Monster Jam. But the thing is, Feld and Monster Jam have always led the way and set the bar. And they've kind of established things that a lot of others have picked up on, whether it's safety technology, whether it's the creation of the Triple Threat Series, which really reinvented the arena uh, product that that Feld and Monster Jam was putting out there, Um, and then creating... You know, there, there have been other tours with points, but Monster Jam able to um, start doing point series so people would earn automatic berths into world finals. You know, the first several world finals were invitation only. And the idea is something that and this goes all the way to the top uh, of Feld Entertainment with uh, with Kenneth Feld and Juliet and the entire family. The desire to have an ability to tell the fans, here's why X person is in the Monster Jam World Finals. And if there's four Grave Diggers, then then they'll they'll paint them up in different schemes and they'll be four Grave Diggers because they've earned it by winning tours. And so so that uh the whole idea of being more transparent and and the idea also that I don't know of any other sport that does it that you know Monster Jam has two competitions that are scored online. Fans just have their phones in their hand and they go to judgesown.com and they score the the best trick competition, they score the freestyle competition. And, you know, a lot of people would rather it be professionally judged because there's a, you know, there's gonna be a bias on some fans, but the core of it and and the core of and it's something that's always driven Monster Jam is starting with the fans. And and and, and I love the fact that they score it. And I love the fact when they move the scores, because it's like <laughs> who yourself, get your get your phone out and do your own scoring. Those kind of innovations that that make the fans feel even more special and, and more a part of it. Um, are, are so huge, and, and I think the other promoters and other tours pick up what they can. They may not do the judges' zone, but you know now everybody has a pit party. Well, that used to be pretty much exclusively a Monster Jam thing. Um, you know, everybody runs the Hanses. Everybody has the uh, the, the seats that are built for the driver. Um, you know, that's been one of the big safety things, so that the driver is actually custom fitted into a seat. Um, you know, to help when you get into some of these spectacular crashes, they get into the shock technology, the chassis technology, but that seat and that head restraint and all those belt developments have allowed the drivers to become so safe that they can do amazing things. And monster jam led the way in all that development.
1: Yeah. So Scott, I can talk from a personal level here that the reason that I am currently sitting at a NASCAR race shop is probably has a lot to do with you in monster truck racing as a whole, because for me as a kid, This is to our audience now. I want to be a monster truck driver. That's what I wanted to do. I fell in love love with Bigfoot at a really young age and watching you on TV and and this whole thing. Uh, And it seems like that has been a lasting thing for monster trucks over the course of time is just an engagement with young fans has that changed any now that we, cause you're talking about this kind of going a little bit more of the route of points, a little more structure. Obviously there is still competition fun. We're blowing <laughs> it out. But I think there was a part of me as a kid that liked the version of this. that was like, this is wrestling with cars, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but they wanted to
0: beat that reputation back um, right. because that's, and there were people who would say it for different reasons. Um, and I can't say a hundred percent that there's never been an event where somebody said, well, we want truck X to win or whatever. Sure, I've never been a part of that that I know of. Maybe, maybe I was, but the thing was that we fought so hard, you know, and NASCAR had to fight for a while too, to Without get mainstream coverage. And yeah. and we fought so hard, and, you know, we, we, we'd look and we're selling tickets for years and years in monster jam, like nobody's business, you know, more than, than most others, but this has always been a live event industry. And, and the TV presence was always, you know, like you talked about, uh, when, when I first started doing Tough Tracks, you know, to me as a young TV guy, oh, wow, I had a syndicated show on in New York City and Chicago and L.A. Of course, it was airing at 3.30 a.m. in New York, and, you know, and and, you know, unless people had VCR, I don't know, a lot of people were seeing it, but that kind of mainstream coverage, we've started to get more of it. A lot of it's been a lot of hard work because of field entertainment's power. Back to your point, though. One of the things that when the concept, and this was a conscious effort made by Charlie Mancuso, Kenny Ken Hudgens and their team um, in the years that they created the monster jam brand, which is in the mid nineties up until then. This was the good old boys would come out to the track, watch a tractor pull, watch some monster trucks, you know, was, had all the vice sponsors. You know, uh, there was the Red Man All-American Pulling Series, Renegade Chewing Tobacco, uh, Bush Beer. And that was all it. They walked away from all that with this desire and this idea that they were going to be the sport wasn't going to last long if that's all they could appeal to. And so they reinvented things. They started, you know, created a deal at the time with Hot Wheels, and now with Spin Master, you know, uh, to engage kids. They looked for a lot of kids-type programming. Not a lot of it was ever ever out there, but they tried some different things. But again, the whole idea of the way that they started marketing the sport uh, through their massive advertising campaigns—that's one thing they always did big, especially in the bigger markets. They spent a ton of money to get people excited about their product, and they tried to drive those ads to kids. And what you see now and what you've been seeing for the last 20 years is the family units are what come to Monster Jam. What excites me is that kids fall in love with it for the reasons you just said. And so many of them, as they get older, continue to follow it. And they like the idea of the champions and the points and the winners and the losers. And then the coolest thing about it is when you go back to events and somebody will come up and see me in a pit party, talk about seeing me as a kid and they're standing there and they've got their six-year-old son and daughter who are there at the event. That's what Monster Jam has really done well. And it's, it's obviously, you know, bode well for them. I can tell you, you'll appreciate this. I had a lot of history with NASCAR from my days as a promoter at Louisville Speedway and and Altamont Raceway and some other tracks that I worked with. And um, so I, I knew a lot of the NASCAR people um, Bob Duvall and some of the people who were in the uh, in the offices there, you know Brian France and a lot of those folks, and Bob actually came uh, asked if he could come and 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 walk around with me at the Monster Jam Pit Party in Orlando, which is the pit party of all pit parties. It starts you know overnight, and at eight o'clock in the morning they got all the grills going and they tailgate, and the pit party goes on. And they were trying to look, how do we and and you know because I think every major sport. Baseball seems to be the one that has the biggest problem, but I think everybody looks at how do we grow our sports with kids when they're, especially when they're all sitting on, on, on these devices these days. And that's why I think the iRacing thing and all that's helped NASCAR a lot. You know, um, that was all there was before sports came back. It was fun to turn on Fox and watch iRacing. I didn't believe it, but yeah, the, the idea that monster jam can appeal to the entire family, has driven them to sell more tickets than anybody. And it's been fun to be a part of. And it's also been a motivating factor in all these talented new drivers come in. But because of the foundations that Dennis Andersons and, and, and all of that group, the Tom Menses, have put in with the fans and signing four hours of autographs in a pit party, you know coming in, okay, you'd like to drive that monster truck, that monster jam truck or monster truck for whoever, but you have got – to realize you're only in that truck five minutes at an event, ops probably. You're going to spend the rest of your time with the fans, and that is number one. And uh, the drivers who come into the sport, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure at first, like, oh, man, I got to sit here for four hours. They come to embrace it because the fans are just so they're, – they're wonderful, you know. And during the, the, the pandemic, I talked to a lot of drivers who – it was a real lift for them, you know, when they didn't know what was going to happen next. They didn't have a ride for the moment. The fans are still reaching out to him on social media and engaging them. I can't wait to see him come back. Yeah, that's – every sport's got great fans. I'll take the Monster Jam fans any time.
1: So you're talking about something there that I find really interesting because it's something we've talked about on the podcast quite a bit, is NASCAR's desire publicly to try to promote to a new type of fan. And, and they've said that. They are absolutely pursuing new fans, so not – renewing fans but we want new people that maybe haven't watched motorsports before and we want to try to bring them in and make them nascar fans now i'm not going to ask you if that's been successful or not but it seems as though that monster jam has a pretty consistent stream of the younger fans and what you're telling us is that that is a directive from the top they're aiming at young fans and then that winds up kind of creating a cycle that repeats itself yeah, but, but it's also a parallel path, um,
0: definitely from the top. And, and, and that's come in. You know, when I was still employed full time by Feld before the pandemic, uh, they would bring drivers in who wanted to have an opportunity now that they have Monster Jam University in Illinois um, to get a chance to audition before they ever got to touch the simulator or get invited to MJU, they had to come in with me and the PR team and they had to show us you know, that they could relate to people, that they could do media, that they could, they could do interviews. And I, I think it made a big uh, impression on a lot of them. Well, I came here to drive a truck. And this is what I've got to master first because it's that important. Um, to your to your point with NASCAR, um, yeah, I, 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 there's, there's absolutely no doubt. and You see it, and, and they try to do it that way. There was a time, and I'm sure you're aware of this, that um, the reputation NASCAR had was that dad and the buddies would get their camper, and they'd come out and they'd get their spot and they'd load it up, you know, with beer or their favorite uh, favorite liquids, maybe it was a soft drink or whatever. Uh-huh. And they'd barbecue and they'd be out there and they'd watch the truck race and they'd watch the Xfinity race and they, you know or Bush race as it was then and and they'd watch the Cup race and let's just throw a number out there and and, and their tickets were basically a hundred bucks a day and they're paying for camping. They didn't bring the kids. It was the dads' weekend. That didn't really bring the moms too much. And so NASCARs. I think they a really good job of spinning that around. You see a lot more uh, younger fans now. I, th- I think some of it has to do with getting out there on social media and getting these games and these kids you know, learning and enjoying playing the online games and then seeing it for real at the track. I can tell you this, though. Monster Jam has, has been out front, whether a lot of people know it or not, in making that family and, and you know, selling tickets to kids because kids aren't coming alone. They're bringing their dads. You know the other thing they've done? And it's a little tougher in NASCAR um, with the way, especially Monster Jam, but Monster Trucks in general are set up. Uh, but let's take the Monster Jam brand, where more than 50 of those trucks are owned by the corporate entity, Feld Entertainment. What you get then are trucks that, no, they're not 100% equal, but they're, they're as a general rule, pretty close. The equipment is pretty close. You know, back in the days when Bigfoot rolled out, Bigfoot Eight, nobody could stick with him. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, If there's an innovation, everybody's going to have the innovation. They're going to have it probably pretty soon. So it it wasn't about who could attract the biggest money sponsor or who could get a a better piece of equipment. And so what they did was look not only in adding their fan base by the way the drivers treat the fans, but also putting faces out there on the track that people could relate to. And, And Dennis will be the first to shake his head and understand. But back in the day you know there's Dennis and there's Andy Brass and there's John Moore and there's Kid Rarigan. and there're a bunch of good old southern boys and they built the sport and then they started to move around now you got you know one of the top drivers is is an African American Barry Moussa who drives the zombie truck two of the reigning world champions they've got seven because they have all these different categories two of them are female Lindsay Reed is the world freestyle champion Cynthia Gauthier is the high jump champion when you come to these pit parties and you see all, not just the little boys anymore, the girls that are out there. And, and the Felds have always said that they didn't want it to be, oh, hey, look at the girl. They wanted everybody to have an equal opportunity. And that's what they've been able to do with Monster Jam. It didn't, didn't matter who had the biggest money sponsor. You were going to get the opportunity if you got in there. And the way they represent and seeing little girls who now, you know, Becky McDonough saw Medusa drive a truck, started sending her an email. And Medusa answered her and gave Becky some tips. And the next thing you know, Becky's one of the most popular drivers in the world 15 years later. It's really cool the way they branched it out and and really tried to be inclusive because, you know, they're smart. They want to sell tickets to everybody for whatever their properties are. And I think all of the monster truck promoters have come to that. And why wouldn't you? And NASCAR certainly has been that way for a long time. Um, but when you have these sports that start, you know, in, in certain you know, there there's southern sports to start. Well, you know, you got to branch it out, and make it national, and, and make it uh, make it mainstream. And I know Monster Jam has done that. And certainly NASCAR did a great job doing that.
1: Yeah, and they're trying, right? But like yeah, you talk yeah. about with, with Feld Entertainment kind of owning this thing yeah. and being the shepherd of the fleet of trucks and being the people behind the scenes that are kind of being able to choose who they're wanting to put out there in front of them. I mean, there's obviously you got to be able to drive. <laughs> Stop. That is clearly a big part of this. But yeah, of course, they're going to be able to put people in a more equal position than obviously what we're dealing with in the NASCAR realm. I'm sitting in a shop. We have five people. We're racing against Joe Gibbs racing this weekend. It's just a, the playing field is not exactly equal in what we do. And, and I think that is a natural barrier, that money that you have to raise from a sponsorship standpoint, yeah. the, sure. the way the field is skewed. It is a natural barrier to creating stars.
0: Yeah, it is, and it, it, it also takes a while, and, it, and it's harder there, again, because of the money. Um, but I go back to um, watching Shauna Robinson try to make it in a yeah. NASCAR race. And, you know, part of the deal that I don't think there anymore, I mean, obviously, it's still, there's, you know, there's probably enough cutthroat still there because everybody wants the best ride. Everybody wants to be in a Hendrick car or a Gibbs car or whatever. Yeah. But in those days, she didn't seem to be very welcomed by at least some of the other drivers and the story of another guy intentionally sucking the wind off of the back of her car to spin her out, things like that. Um, it, it seems to me that there's a whole lot more effort now that's, that's starting to pay, bear some fruit. Obviously the Michael Jordan Bubba Wallace deal is huge in terms of diversifying what your drivers and your teams look like. But I'm, I'm just as excited to see uh, what Haley Deegan's going to bring. I know her lineage. I've, I've, you know, I've called events with her dad, and, and he's as crazy as they come. Well, she'd have to be crazy, but she's got a lot of great motorsports and a great daring in her bloodlines. Uh, Natalie Decker, name it. Um, the idea that, and I think Monster Jam has done a phenomenal job, that yeah, it's not about the cover of the book, but you still don't want all the books to look the same. And so the idea that you know, you can have great drivers from virtually any race, any creed, any gender. Just values the sport because that's gonna. That's gonna. Somebody's gonna relate to that. And and NASCAR's been NASCAR's diversity efforts have gone on. I can remember back when I was promoting 20 years ago. So it's it's, it's not new to them. I think it's a little tougher just for what you said when Feld is able to again have all these equal pieces of equipment. Well, look what Tony did with that Saturday Night Short Track series.
3: Phenomenal. Yeah.
0: And, and, you know, and you had older guys and you had females and you had hot shots uh, from the local tracks. What a great mix. But that's that's the kind of thing that that Monster Jam has been able to do because you can't um, come in. Nobody would have the the, the funding to go outspend anybody and say, okay, here's here's another Bigfoot eight type of truck that nobody can keep up with. And nobody wants that because it's all about competition. You know, we don't have to have. The biggest and the fastest. A little different in NASCAR, where you need to go 200 plus at Michigan. I get that. But Monster Jam, you know, we've even in Raymond James Stadium, where, where, where you can air it out with RJ and I were talking about Ray, Ray J a little bit ago. Um, you still can't use all that 1500 horsepower. You can't. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. And, uh, but it's interesting the parallels between the two sports and and they, and they both succeed and, and will continue to succeed, in my opinion. People love motorsports, but the idea, that you can branch out who that motorsports fan is, is is what everybody's – and baseball's trying to do. They know their fan base is getting older. You know, uh, I, I love baseball. But, you know, they've got to work to, to get kids coming through there. Or, you know, then when a lot of us can't go to the games anymore, who's taking our seats?
1: So do you think that master Jam's in a good spot here? When we talk about, like, a, a seesaw of entertainment versus, like, how am I trying to say, competition, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, there's definitely a seesaw there. It feels like at times NASCAR and I'm t- I'm speaking now as a driver, so I'm not putting words in anybody else's mouth. At times, we have definitely tried to tip the seesaw to the entertainment side, and it has been very poorly received by the people in the automobiles like myself. Yeah. yeah. But also there's been kind of a response from the fan base of like, well this this is now going too far, right? And, and stages or a caution clock and people get mad and they yell online and they say things. Okay. <laughs> is Monster Jam just like Teflon to a lot of this stuff? Cause it's been around for so long. And like you talked about that, the initial thing is kind of what I said that it was wrestling on you know, four wheels. All right. Do you, do you feel like that kind of just makes it like, ah, oh, well, why are you getting so mad? Are you getting so mad about a monster truck rally? Like, why are you mad about this? Uh, well,
0: you know, we had to fight that, as I mentioned a moment ago, for so long. Uh, uh, I mean, I hate you bringing it up, but it it, it, it did take a <laughs> while. There, there was that perception. But, you know, to, to go to the bigger point, um, one of the things that Monster Jam has done a great job, uh, especially in recent years, is I think in balancing that seesaw you talked about. Um, if there was, during the development of the Monster Jam brand, maybe an overemphasis on the entertainment yeah. and, and the crashing and, and, and you know, who could do the most spectacular this or that, well, yeah, that was going to sell tickets. But, and, and I think a lot of this goes to um, the, the direction in the decade or so that the Feld family has owned it, Didn't, not losing that spectacular nature of it, but then just like you said, legitimizing the competition. You know, yeah. with, with, with the fan scoring, with the points, with the, the spending literally hundreds of thousands of dollars to create a legitimate electronic timing system. Because you can't put a transponder in and time a monster truck like you can a NASCAR car because that timing loop is, is at one place. With the truck, you have to be able to have that timing system go up and down 20, 30 feet in the air. And it, it, they, they invested a lot of money to getting that, but it legitimized all that to where they have the electronic timing. And there's no question about who's the fastest or who's the top qualifier. And then the point systems, like we talked about, another area of legitimizing the competition, yet the whole time, not wanting to take away from the entertainment value. And I think they balanced it pretty well.
2: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I really enjoy it. I mean, the, the way it's evolved, I think it's been like, it's, it's been great. Cause it, I mean, when you look at monster jam, it, it is definitely different. I mean, than it was before than it is now, but it, but it felt like it's evolved, you know, it's been over time, there's been some slowly changes and things like that. And, and lastly, the last thing we'll kind of touch on here is we like to talk about, you know, TV broadcasting stuff on here. I know monster jam pe- people who miss uh, the speed channel um, definitely yeah. know what monster <laughs> okay. jam is. They, yes. Yeah. They know who you are. They know NASCAR, all the motorsports are on there. I mean, I did see the hat back there too. I mean, speed channel is just, uh, it was great for NASCAR for monster jam, but for monster jam specifically, then you guys moved over to, you know, Fox sports, Fox sports one, when it took over and then now being at, you know, NBC sports. And that was kind of the biggest change I felt like was Fox to, to NBC. Cause it was like a totally different swap. I don't know uh, from your perspective, you know, how has that been, you know, with, with the TV Dale deals. And like you said it's not a live production thing you know it's more so you know entertainment and what we talked about getting the the, the kids and stuff like that so how is how do you think has that been on monster jam like the transition from uh networks kind of over the past maybe 10 years
0: yeah you know and and this year um feld had to go through so because of the size of their company and because they are the industry leader. I don't know that anybody's ever going to appreciate the hoops they had to jump through and all the things they had to do just to get any event back up at all. Yeah. Um, you know, some it's other pandemic. folks were able to go to smaller places with, with 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 less restrictive rules. You know, Feld was going into major stadiums, and and, and and they did all these amazing things. So, But what they did do during the time off, they did some reinventing. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about what they did with the switch to uh, NBCSN in this year was that they literally, in the days that I did it, I actually had the best of both worlds. I would go do an event live. I'd tell you the truth. I'd get paid as the live event announcer. And then three days later or three weeks later, whatever schedule we were on, I'd get another paycheck to go in the studio and voice over a product that had been edited into that hour timeframe. What they did this year is they took Scott Jordan and Cole Stevens and Leslie Mears, their broadcast team, who did a phenomenal job. But they put them, and I know for Scott and Colt, Leslie always was at the events. But for Scott and Colt, I can't imagine how exciting that was to be in the booth at the event rather than waiting for it to come back in the studio. They called the whole thing, and then the editors put it into the one-hour product. And I I thought it paid dividends for them. Um, But the the product continued to evolve. You know, Speed was the best thing that I thought ever happened to us. When I started – TV deals seem to be three years at a time. And and that's still pretty much uh, the norm for a lot of programming. Um, You sign three year deals, but it seemed like we'd go in three year runs. So my tough tracks run was three years and then it went away. And then the next big program that came up was monster wars, which a lot of people remember where that really was total entertainment, but it fit in a little bit with the start of appealing to the younger crowd but I, I didn't get to announce that one. That's the one show I didn't get. Joe Lowe, my my, my good friend, uh, resting in peace and watching down on us every day. Uh, he did that one for the three years. That went away. They created a magazine-style show called Inside Monster Jam and brought me back in for that. Um, and then the, the major move for us was the final piece of nationalizing the top level of the sport was when Charlie Mancuso and the company at the time that was became Clear Channel Live Nation, I think it was may have still been SRO at the time, um, bought the company called USA, which was the Western more Western based company, but USA had the TNN Motor Madness deal. Yeah, and so we go to TNN on Friday nights, and that was an experiment that showed we weren't ready to, to do that. It was funny watching Dusty Rhodes out there on, on the <laughs> show because he was one of the hosts. But what it showed at first was that it's going to be tough. Although we did do a really successful uh, one-off deal on speed a few years later, where we televised from Atlanta live. It had the best ratings. Um, that was awesome. Yeah. It, it, that worked out phenomenally. Um, but what ha- what they found out trying to go live with the TNN deal on Friday nights and, and not adapting to a live event's got downtime. A live event intentionally has downtime. Right. The promoters want you to go buy their, the, the, the building's hot dogs so they're happy. They want you to go buy a t-shirt. You're not doing that sitting in the seats, or at least maybe you can now with all the devices. But so the, they weren't designed to just go live. Um, and so we, when we took over TNN, we went back to the, the tried and true, okay, we're gonna put it in an hour format, we changed the time, and it ended up being very successful. Again, three-year deal, and I'm stringing this out through the three-year deals. TNN goes away, and we went through the 2003 season with no coverage of the week-to-week Monster Jam, first time ever on television, and then all of a sudden, the deal came together between the, uh, the, the people with the Monster Jam brand and with Speed, and their first coverage was of the 2003 World Finals. And we did it in post. So we had like six people at a round table. It was Joe Lowe and I and Dennis Anderson and all these people. But that launched speed for us. And it was no longer a three-year deal. We were on speed until it became FS1. And then ended up uh, cutting the deal with FS1. It was basically a, a decade-long deal, something that the sport had never had. And I believe really helped grow it at, at a critical time.
1: So, Scott, uh, you're in the uh, Monster Jam Hall of Fame 2020.
0: Well, well I appreciate that's 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 that. I did on. want
1: to. I just want to say one you. thing.
0: Yeah, it's behind me and it's it's a tremendous honor and, and I really appreciate it during all this pandemic cuz you know the announcement came before the pandemic and then everything got shut down. We were supposed to be inducted last May, May 2020 in in the uh uh at the World Finals which got canceled. But the yeah. the key people at Monster Jam wanted to do it to where we actually and I think it actually worked out really cool to have the induction ceremony in front of fans at the live event in Orlando yeah. and, and that, that was all very cool and, and really enjoyed it. But one thing I wanted to mention that let's slip my mind, I wanted to, 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 to get out to you guys, is that one of the things that's amazing me right now, and I don't, I don't know how it applies to the weekly Saturday night short track, um, which is another part of my grassroots, but monster jams coming back and, it, and it's phenomenal. And they're coming back at that level, but these other smaller promoters, are having the best years ever. And, and I've been doing some work. I've, I've done just to select events for the Renegade Monster Truck Tour that Jane Ratu and Lindsay Ratu put on. Um, but what they've been able to do here in this day where people are just starting to want to get back out, and maybe some of them still have a little money because they haven't gotten to spend a lot of money for the last year. <laughs> but they've been going to these fairgrounds and speedways where Monster Jam's not going to go. Monster Jam's going to go to the big houses and bringing some of these top level trucks and these fun, entertaining shows that are really modeled after what, you know, Zane and Lindsay learned running from monster jam. And there are other promoters doing the same thing. And all these fairground shows and speedway shows I've just packed and, and I'm loving it. And, it. and it's really great to see. And, and there's room for everybody. And I, I know that the tracks around my area have been doing pretty well. So not just NASCAR, you know, you got to have people coming out to that Saturday night short track and, and, uh, I think it's, it's, it's been pretty good for everybody as things have eased up, but people want to stay a little closer to home. And if you can bring a good monster truck show to them in their hometown, I think it's a smart thing to do.
1: Well, you have brought a lot of monster truck shows to a lot of people, including me over the years, Scott. And we, uh, we really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Guys, it's been a blast. I've been doing so much asking other questions. I
0: forgot when I answer them, I go on and on and on. I hope I didn't run you over your time
1: here. <laughs> you didn't run us over a bit, man. It was great awesome. having you on. All, man. My
2: pleasure.
0: pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's been so cool having you from a personal note. I mean, I was running around like 10 years ago at Monster Jam pit parties, you know, looking for for drivers. and I got <laughs> you. I got your autograph in like 2010 or something like that. I mean, I got... I got hundreds of like monster truck toys still up in my closet and everything. Yeah. And like Love you said, it. it's a thing Love where it. you can look back at monster jam and be like, man, I like, that was so cool when I was a kid, but it's still something that people my age, Tommy Joe's age, older watch today. Cause it applies, it applies to everyone. It's so cool. It really does. It really, yeah, does. really, it really is insight. a sport
0: where we where granddad and, 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 the, and the grandkids and the parents are all there together many times. Yep. You're right.
1: It's exactly. got, I'll make sure that when my dad, uh, sends me the bill for all this racing that I've done in my life. Yeah, yeah. I'm going I'm to co-sign your name on it somewhere <laughs> down there. I think I, I re- doing this podcast with you, I realize now how much of this I can trace back to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I always wanted to have
0: an influence, and uh, uh, you know, you may not get me getting rich off of but I know you had a good time because there's nothing like motorsports in general, the, the the family. But that's why I think Monster Jam really got it. Whether and it's not just the people coming it's everybody in the industry. I mean, you know, we just lost one of the all time greats, Scott Hartsock, um, you know, in a tragic accident about a month ago. And, and the, the whole industry literally turned out down there and it was just everybody there to support his family. And that's the way, that's the way they've always been, and always will be. Yeah,
2: right. exactly. Thanks a lot, man. So much appreciate you it. on the show, man. Thanks guys. All right. So, really appreciate uh, Scott Douglas joining us on the Drivers Meeting podcast. I mean, great insight from you know, just not even just Monster Jam stuff. I didn't even really know. I mean, from there, know that he knew uh, from Monster Jam uh, to NASCAR, uh, motorsports, Saturday short track racing. I didn't even know he watched the SRX series, but I'm so glad he did. I'm glad. I mean, there was a lot of people. Uh, that that SRX series really caught their eye. So, really glad to have Scott Douglas on here. And for me, on a personal note, I mean, like I kind of noted at the end of, of that part of the podcast, I mean, uh, growing up, I mean, not only was I a huge, you know, NASCAR fan. I mean, I'm still growing up, obviously, but you know, when I was little, little, um, you know, obviously huge NASCAR fan, but huge Monster Jam fan as well. I mean, I just, you know, I was a big part of of me watching the Speed Channel, tuning that on uh, every week. You know, to watch Monster Jam, whatever shows they would produce, and like you mentioned, that one live show they had in Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, that was awesome. I mean, I in a perfect world, we wish there were more of those live events for Monster Jam. You know, when I was always thought of Monster Jam. For those of you listening who have watched it before, I just wish it was presented on on a bigger scale. You know, I feel like it is such an amazing sport to watch in person for sure. Uh, But even on TV, you know, when presented right, it can be just a really fun thing to watch. So I really enjoy it and. And like I said, from a personal standpoint, I mean, Scott Douglas was a guy that I was running around a pit party, you know, 10, 11 years ago, Tampa, just little me, you know, looking for autographs from Monster Jam drivers. And I found Scott Douglas, you know, walking through the crowd and and asking for an autograph, gave it to me. I can't remember if we took a picture. I've been looking for that, especially before this podcast. I'm trying to find the picture, Um, you know, but it's just one of the incredible things. I mean, a guy that I was searching for and an autograph for, like, 10, 11 years ago, loving watching Monster Jam. I just had to interview, you know, on our podcast. I mean, that's crazy. That's so awesome. So grateful, so blessed uh, to be able to do this. It's just one of those, one of those feel-good moments and really inspirational or informational, I should say, uh, as well to have him on here. All, all the things he was able to, to give the podcast. Uh, love to have different uh, types of guests on here as well. Having Scott Douglas from Monster Jam. I know in the future there's a potential we could have, you know, uh, some football players, some baseball players, different people from other sports to give their insight on what they do uh, as an athlete and also their insight, you know, as NASCAR, as a fan of the sport. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we should have some awesome guests on here in the future. So what we had planned for the second half of this podcast um, was really supposed to be like like a draft. Uh, I had this thing me and Tommy Joe were going to do. Potentially like something like a draft, free agent draft, do some cool little games, maybe take some questions. Uh, But Zoom, Zoom wanted to act up a little today, uh, I guess. And they decided to just explode uh, the second file that we recorded earlier uh, for right now. And I like to keep this on a a normal schedule. I like to upload usually on the same days every week. And I feel like we've had a great podcast so far. So we're probably going to save that draft until... Uh, next week, probably for next week's episodes, that might highlight there. I'm, I'm hopefully you guys will all tune in for that episode. I mean, it's going to be great, um, very, very fun, very fun. We like to do a lot of fun things in this podcast. I like to try to think of different ideas and hope and ideas that you all send me, uh, which some of you do, pitch in ideas and i love to hear them as well, so we'll probably save that for next week, and we'll release some more details on when that comes for it. But as for now, uh, we're going to kind of go into and preview the upcoming weekend at the Indianapolis Road Course. This is two road courses in a row. Watkins Glen, we just had last weekend, four races there, and now we go to the Indianapolis Road Courses, two NASCAR races, but IndyCar is also there as well. So... That'll take us to this weekend's truck race, or I shouldn't say this weekend, last weekend's truck race at Watkins Glen. So I wasn't able to watch the race live, had some other things that that were going on, had some like work things, uh, other work things that I'm kind of doing just on the side a little bit, like working some other places to get some extra money. So I had to do some things this weekend. I was doing that, but I was able to keep track of the updates. I know there was some rain uh, that happened, so... That rained uh, the rain, the race short. Didn't get to watch. I did see the highlights, of course. But Austin Hill, nevertheless, was the winner, which is his second win in a row. Even though these both races were months apart, uh, this is his second win in a row as he did win the Knoxville race. And which is funny because he went basically a whole almost year without getting a win. Uh, you know, he was locked in on points, but you didn't know when he would get that first win. He gets it at Knoxville. Gets it again at Watkins Glen. Playoff field stays the same as it was. There were no new winners, so stays as is. We have Jonathan Nemechek atop the playoff board, along with Austin Hill, then Ben Rhodes, then Todd Gillen, then Sheldon Creed, Zane Smith, Matt Crafton, Carson Hosevar, Chandler Smith, and Stuart Friesen. That is the 10-driver playoff field for the upcoming playoff race so it's going to be very interesting to watch those drivers go at it and we have a little bit from Stuart Friesen right here uh I got to talk to him prior to the Watkins Glen race but we'll throw it in here why not Stuart Friesen a little background on what he's been up to basically they switched over to Toyota uh, at the beginning of last year And they had a championship run before that. You know, Stuart Friesen made the Final Four, had a chance at a championship. Last year was kind of some learning struggles with the Toyota program. Now he has another shot for the championship, maybe the last seed, but that doesn't matter in the playoffs. You can make anything happen in these upcoming races. So Stuart Friesen in the playoffs again, this time with Toyota Racing. Got to speak to him earlier last week.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We've had a lot of speed. Um, We've had some races that didn't really – play out in our favor um we've had some ones where we've, we've been solidly in the top five which um you know at this point last year we were maybe a top 10 to 15 team uh, at best so um when we do everything right and check all the boxes um you know we're, we're, we're competitive and uh and that's been really uh rewarding uh for myself for chris larson everybody at, at Helmar international and um obviously all our other partners um the guys at TRD and Toyota uh, included, you know, they've been instrumental in helping us get up to speed, uh, you know, find the right people and and put them in the right places. Um, Jonathan Leonard, you know, being crew chief knows, was one of those. So um, it's, it's been awesome. You know, hopefully we can, we can get in the playoffs. Hopefully we can, we can get a win
1: here. Um, And, you know, with everything
3: going the right way, we, we could, um, you know, kind of have an outside shot at, at competing for a championship. So, um, I don't think that's out of the question by any means. Um, it's just, you know, executing uh, with the equipment that we have and, and getting the job done.
2: So that was Stuart Friesen, driver of the 52 for Hallmar Racing. Uh, they just moved over to Toyota. Like I said, looking forward to chasing a 2021 Camping World Truck Series championships. That'll move us to the Xfinity Series where we have... Uh, surprise, but not surprise winner. I would say uh, in Ty Gibbs, you know, in a way where he has won most of the races that he has started, but hasn't run the full season. But surprise, as in this kid is young. He is still in his first starts. I mean, had he didn't have practice besides the arca race uh, at Watkins Glen, which probably helped the day before. But man, Ty Gibbs, he is something else. Going out there and beating Austin Syndrick. A.J. Allmendinger, straight up. I mean, yes, he's driving a great car in the 54. Who has done many things this year, gotten many wins. But you also have to take into account the fact that Kyle Busch, number one, is driving him. That's a given. That's a given win. You know, win contention at least. Then you have Christopher Bell, who did the one race at New Hampshire, a track where he was undefeated at anyways, and now has had Cup experience. So goes down the Xfinity series. Of course, he's probably going to do very well. And now the wins that Ty Gibbs has had on these road courses. Yes, cars still matter a little bit on the road courses, but they don't matter as much. So he goes out there, gets the job done in the Xfinity Series race. So great job by Ty Gibbs. And that'll take us to the Cup Series race where we had Kyle Larson get the win. And, man, crazy. He didn't win a race for five five races. Unbelievable. I mean, the streak that he was on. So he gets back to victory lane and beating out teammate chase elliott who was on the hunt all race you know had issues at the beginning had to go to the rear working his way up through the field then skidded his tires had to put on new tires went to the back of the field again and was just barely almost got to kyle larson just i mean it's unbelievable how good chase elliott is at these road courses specifically watkins glenn and also shows how good kyle larson is winning the race martin tricks jr running in third and christopher bell who was a contender as well uh but unfortunately had an incident with kyle larson going into turn one in the closing laps lost that track position we would you know don't know how much he would have been able to contend for the win against kyle larson against chase elliott would he have made it harder on larson to the point where elliott was able to catch up and and pass both of them we don't know how that would have played out but ultimately Kyle Bush was in fourth place. Kind of had a quiet but solid day uh, running in P4. Same with Denny Hamlin, who was in P5. We have a tie for the regular season championship. Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin are both tied at the top with a total of 917 points. And it's not even close to third. William Byron behind them with 786. So. The battle is for first place with the regular season. You get 15 extra playoff points, which will definitely come in handy down the road. And Denny Hamlin, a guy who hasn't won a race yet, definitely wants those. (laughs) More than Kyle Larson, who already has a ton of playoff points from all the stages, all the wins he's had this year. It's been crazy. He has way more playoff points in the field. So Larson is going to be... Uh, Pretty well situated for at least the first part of the playoffs. As we saw last year with Kevin Harvick, nothing is guaranteed in this year's playoffs. So we'll have to see what happens when we get there. But that'll lead us into this weekend. We go to another road course. We go to the Indianapolis road course, a track where the Xfinity Series has been to. But the Cup Series has not. So it'll be a new track for the Cup Series uh second time the xfinity series is visited there and indycar will also be there as well we didn't see a ton of crossover but the one thing we did see was sage caram will drive the xfinity series race and the indycar race he will be driving the xfinity series race for jordan anderson racing in the number 31 so great to see sage caram great to see that crossover and of course jimmy johnson um you know driving for chip ganassi racing in the indycar series he will be there as well so that would actually be pretty cool jimmy johnson will be in the nascar garage for the first time in a while basically so he will be there while we will be there be interesting to see cody Ware, i believe is doing the indycar road course race and the cup series race i think he had the option to do like all of them (laughs) i think the Xfinity race too but that would have been a lot for cody Uh, a lot for anybody so josh palicki We'll be running the race in the 17 i believe and let's talk about that it's xfinity series entry list uh it's kind of sad this is the last week or no sorry josh blicky's now he's in the 07 jj Haley's in the 17. so that will give us an interesting opportunity to talk about this Xfinity series entry list. I mean, we talk about it a lot and it's kind of sad. This is the last week of practice and qualifying before the season finale at Phoenix. So all the way till November, we'll have to go uh, to find our next and final race of practice and qualifying of the season because we hope it is back in full effect in 2022. So, with the race with practice and qualifying in the Xfinity Series comes a bunch of driver changes. Everyone's going to be fighting for owner's points to get higher with owner's points and to get in the race, really, to qualify into the race. So with this being the last race with practice and qualifying until the season finale, this is it for teams. This is make or break right now. This is make or break for the 13 team at NBM Motorsports. They have to have a big night, uh, big day uh, to get in the top 40 because they're not there right now uh, so they put in steven light in the seat in the 13 we've seen jd motorsports struggle in qualifying before at these road courses like i had mentioned before jeffrey earnhardt i believe hasn't qualified for a race with qualifying i don't think so they went full out road course ringers spencer pompelli is in the zero this weekend and for jeffrey earnhardt ryan effersley is in the number six and for ryan vargas And Mike Skeen is in the 15 in for Colby Howard and you have Landon Castle in his regular number 4 car for the team. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. As far as SS Greenlight, Rick Ware, you have Josh Balicki running the 07 and JJ Yaley in the 17. So both Rick Ware racing drivers, road course drivers, JJ Yaley can just run everything. So we'll just call him a great driver. We we know JJ Yaley and what he can do. So he will attempt to, that 17 will be good on points. Uh, but the 07 is going to need to be qualified into the show, which Josh Balicki has already done this season at Road America. As far as other moves, Will Rogers is going to be in a second Sam Hunt Racing entry in the number 24 this week, Toyota. Going to be very fun to see two Sam Hunt Racing cars. You know, Chris Wright is in the other one, 26. Then Sage Karam in the 31 for Jordan Anderson Racing. That is the crossover, basically, uh, with IndyCar and NASCAR. Sage will be running in the 31 for Jordan Anderson. So really cool to see him there and, and just see how cool the Xfinity Series is, is attracting drivers from all around the world, all around different motorsports. We'll get to that in just a second. Got to talk to Austin Sindrick about that and. Uh, we'll hear from him in just a few minutes once I finish kind of going over this entry list here. Loris Hezemonds, hopefully you pronounced that correctly, He will be in the 33 this week for Rion Racing. So basically kind of the background on that. As you know, Rion Brothers Racing did announce their intentions to run the Xfinity Series this year, which they have. But uh, their car was basically bought out by our Motorsports their points where I should say so now our motorsports as you can see is running that second car the 23 car So Rion brothers racing has it run a ton this year They obviously had those deals with natalie decker But they will be entering this week in the indianapolis road course with the number 33 So basically their famed truck number that they run they will be running this week with the nascar euro series points leader so very interesting to see him in there uh and kind of to stay on that same page of the euro series giorgio Maggi, again hopefully pronounced that correctly he will be in the number 42 for nbm motorsports so two drivers that will have to qualify themselves into the show on speed we'll get to that in just a second kind of the go or go homes the situations for all that stuff kind of breaking this down so just so kind of look through the field again. Greg Galdings back in the 52. Wasn't in there last week. Matt Jaskill's back in the 66. Austin Hill is in the 61 this week for Hattori slash MBM. You know, go you know, in between. Something like that. Uh, as you look, we have Preston Pardis is again in the 90. Miata driver. Kyle Tilley. Is in the 05, or I should say the 5. That's just what it says in the owner's points. Uh, BJ McLeod has brought out all the stops this weekend for his for his road course program. Hey, they got everybody out there. Kyle Tilly in the 5, Andy Lally 78, and Kevin Harvick, not necessarily road ringer, but obviously a Cup Series champion, and it's Kevin Harvick, so he will be in the 99 like we've seen him in in the past, uh, like at Road America, and then he drove the 5 at Coda. So it will be fun to see them. So now we'll kind of transition ourselves over to the point situation. Practice of qualifying. So there are guys guys that are gonna have to qualify their way in. There are also drivers that, you know, not in the go or go home situation, but can still be bumped out as we've seen in the past. So the official go or go homes, uh, this is the biggest field we have seen since the season opener at Daytona, where we entered 40 cars. No, we entered more than that. I said we they selected 40 cars to race because qualifying got rained out. So we have eight go or go homes for this race, with you know a few new entries as well. That includes the 24 of Will Rogers, the 33 of Loris Hezemans, the 42 of Giorgio Maggi, 13 of Stephen Light, 52 of Gray Galding, 74 of Bailey Curry, 47 of Kyle Weatherman, and the 61 of Austin Hill. So very interesting selection of go or go homes. They will have to qualify themselves into the race on speed for sure. Now, I'd say the drivers around from the 30th to 36th area, which still have to be worried about not qualifying in the race, uh, are Josh Balicki in the 07, Spencer Pompeli in the 0, Mike Skeen in the 15, Sage Karam in the 31, Kevin Harvick in the 99, and Preston Partis in the 90. Great crop of drivers. <laughs> so, those go or go home guys are going to have to set down a very solid lap to make sure they get in the show. And when I mean solid, very solid lap, I'm going to mean top 31 time in qualifying. Below that top 31, or I should say above that top 31 right now, Matt Jaskell in the 66. Could he get bumped out? The 6 of Ryan Eversley, the 78 of Andy Lally, and the 5 of Kyle Tilley. That goes down to 27th. So, when you look at this field, you just think depth. I mean, there are going to be some big names that are going to miss the race. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be sending eight cars home, basically the most we have done all year. Uh, so that is <laughs> a lot of good cars sent home, a lot of good drivers sent home, most importantly. So it is going to be a dogfight for the final qualifying spots in this weekend's Xfinity race, Cup Series. And nobody needs to worry about that. Um It'll be a 40-car field with, I believe, Timmy Hill. Carl Long announcing that they'll bring the 66 Cup car this weekend, I believe, of Timmy Hill. So they'll be there. And also, obviously, the 66, or no, 16 of A.J. Allmendinger and the 22, or the 33, of Austin Sindrick. He's running his final Cup Series race of the year. So they will be in that event. So 40 cars for the Cup Series, no DNQs. But back to what I was talking about earlier. We talk about the dynamic of... The xfinity series on this show all the time and how great it is and how cool it is to track i mean i just enjoy talking about this that's why i'm sad that this is the last week without practice qualifying i mean we won't get to really talk about these owner points battles um you know for the rest of the year really until phoenix and then in phoenix really doesn't matter because these races what these you know teams and drivers are doing they're not only just trying to qualify themselves into the race but they're also setting, trying to set themselves up for the remainder races we have left in the season that are not going to have qualifying because they're only going to take the top 40 in owner's points. So all these teams, all these drivers, or I should say most uh, importantly teams are trying to set themselves up for the future races. They're trying to make sure that their car is guaranteed into the show, basically making it into the top 40. They don't want to fall out of the top 40. I would say really the only cars at risk of falling out of the top 40 uh, would be the 52 of means motorsports they are looks like about 25 points above the 13 of steven light so you know they they run close most of the time greg Golding, steven light both very pretty good road racers if the 52 does somehow DNQ and Stephen Light comes home with a top 20, top 15 finish, you never know what can happen in the Xfinity series. They can bump their way back into the top 40 for the first time, really, since a while ago, since we had qualifying at Nashville. So that is going to be a very interesting thing to watch as well. Or no, I shouldn't say qualifying at Nashville since we had qualifying, really, to begin with, <laughs> the second time of the season since Coda, since Charlotte. That's really when the, when the 13 team was bumped out. So they've only been able to see track time uh, at the beginning of the season and when we've had practice and qualifying in uh, the past few races. So if Steven Light was able to have a good, clean race, solid top 20, solid top 15, and the 52 was to DNQ or even finish last, that could uh, change up that top 40. But that's really the only change we could see. You know, the Mike Harmon cars, uh, while they were at risk before, not at risk anymore. They did have a few good finishes here and there, but nothing really to be worried about for Mike Harmon racing. So it's going to be interesting, this Xfinity Series, owner's points battle, driver's points battle. But what really, you know, got me excited this weekend is I got to talk to Austin Sindrick. And we ask a lot of drivers, whether it's on this podcast or just in a basic interview or, or whatever, you know what the dynamic of the Xfinity series is like and, and what's so exciting you know about racing in the series and so I got to ask Austin Cindrick this week you know what he thought uh, about the dynamic of the Xfinity series and I thought it was really awesome to be able to hear from him the defending champion right so Asked him what his thoughts were on the dynamic of the series, the drivers that have come into the series, the teams that have come into the series, people that are just showing interest, you know, in the Xfinity series like that, that we haven't really seen before how deep this field is. And it really, it really was crazy. Like, I I didn't expect this type of answer from him. It's It's really cool you know, to see how he understands the depth of the field. And I would expect that from, you know, the champion, right? He's been here for years. He knows, but a guy who I've kind of stated on this podcast before really has just shown what the Xfinity series is all about. Like Austin Cindric has progressed from the day he stepped foot in the NASCAR Xfinity series to now being a champion, dominating on ovals, short tracks, not just the road courses. He has shown he can be an all around driver and, has just really shown incredible progression, you know, in the Xfinity series. And that's what it should be about, right? It should be about, obviously, we got great drivers in the Xfinity series coming over from everywhere. I mean, all parts of the world, all parts of racing to come in the Xfinity series, you know, developmental drivers. But really what the Xfinity series was built on was development, right? Names are made here. And Austin Sindrick has sure made a name for himself. So back to kind of the original point of the question that I asked him that I'll just be able to play his answer here in just a second. It was really cool to hear his insight and hear his thoughts on kind of the, the depth of the Xfinity, serial, Xfinity Series field, front to back, and here's what he had to say when I asked him. So I'm glad Dustin brought up, uh, Jade Buford, cause he's just one of the drivers that, you know, has gotten into the Xfinity series this year, you know, drivers from around the world. I mean, it's been awesome to see all the drivers that have kind of gotten their feet wet in the Xfinity series. And I've talked to drivers just top to bottom throughout the series about how the dynamic has changed and, you know, what's so cool about racing, uh, in the Xfinity series and how it's changed from 10 years ago to 10 months ago. And I wanted to hear it, you know, from, from the defending champion, you in, in another year, and you're going for another one this year. From your eyes, how much has the Xfinity Series dynamic changed from drivers, you know, in your area up at the top and through the middle, you know, guys who could potentially play spoiler down the road in this season?
4: Yeah, I mean, if, if you look over the last couple of years, you know, guys that, you know, either I've known or, or, or can appreciate from other forms of racing, you know, you've got Sage Karam running at Indy, uh, as you mentioned, Jade Buford um, you know, you've obviously, you guys like Andy Lally, you come and run on the road courses uh, Spencer Pompelli, uh, Connor Daly drove a few years ago. So th- there's a lot of guys that take an interest in the Xfinity series because, you know, it's, it's a taste of, of, of what NASCAR racing is all about. And I feel like the current car, the current package that we have is really challenging. You know, even, even Santino Ferrucci, I remember him jumping in, you know, the homestead in his first, you know, Xfinity series race without practice. I mean, that talk about a tall task and, and uh, I feel like the, the cars it, within themselves are, are forgiving enough to where you can probably get away with doing that, but they're incredibly hard to drive, whether if that's, you know, the the, the current rules packages, the, the, the downforce, the horsepower, uh, whatever it may be. Um, the cars themselves are great learning tools, and I've really enjoyed um, becoming a better driver driving the Xfinity series, I, I think it's, I think it's no doubt from, from the time I got in the cars racing full time in 2018 um, from where I was in 2017 in trucks. Um, I, I've, I had to grow a lot as a driver and I, I feel like those cars have been great learning tools and um, that, that, that's exactly what that series is for. You know, the, the, the tagline, is names are made here. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's kind of a make or break series and, and you either got it or you don't. Um, so I, I've loved being able to learn that and love watching you know, so many people from so many different backgrounds give give it a try and kind of understand what their thoughts are because you know every driver's perspective on what makes a car good is different, and, and I, I think that's what makes NASCAR racing fun is because there's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, it's about doing the right thing on the right day at the right time. So uh, it's 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 been great to to see the growth of the series. I feel like the the series has gotten fairly deep, especially in the midfield. Uh, I, I feel like obviously that's not an area that gets touched on a whole lot, but really from from 12th on back is, is in, uh, in a race in, a, in its own. And, and those guys are trying just as hard as the guys running up front. So, um, and, and, you know, to, for, for Jade Buford's point, I mean, that's, that's where he runs most weekends and, you know, it's, it's a dogfight fight back there. Uh, so it's on, on bad days, I've seen it. So, uh, it's, it's certainly a challenging series, a very challenging car. And I think that's what makes it so attractive because, because everybody wants that challenge.
2: And again, so awesome to hear from Austin Cindrick on that subject about the Xfinity Series. We can't talk about it enough, uh, how cool it is, the drivers, the teams that we see week in and week out, and especially weekends like this weekend, you know, with IndyCar driver Sage Karam coming over. We've seen sports car racers from all over the world come and try the Xfinity Series full time, like I mentioned to, to him, Jade Buford, you know, people that are just, I mean, Chris Wright as well. Chris Wright, you got... Different. I mean, Spencer Pumpelly, Ryan Effersley, Mike Skeen, so many drivers. Andy Lally coming over to race, and whether it's either just on a part-time schedule or even a full-time schedule, it really makes the Xfinity Series very interesting. So, all in all, we are looking forward to another weekend, another race weekend. We're finally back. Kind of, kind of had a return week last week at Watkins Glen. It was great to be back, and now, now it's go time. Uh, we got a lot of <laughs> straight weeks of racing here coming up with the cup series three races until the playoffs xfinity series still does have six until their postseason starts and the truck series has started as i noted earlier so the cup series playoffs we know the situation there tyler reddick austin dillon battling for that final spot on points Redick is now stretched it to a 15 point lead above Dylan and everyone behind them is going to be in a must win situation. So who could win? You know, we look at Indy road course as a potential wildcard race for sure. Daytona, you know, we have Chris Buescher, Matt Benedetta, Ross Chastain, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Bubba Wallace, Chase Briscoe, Daniel Suarez, Eric Jones, Ryan Newman, Ryan Priest, Cole Custer, Corey and Anthony Alfredo. Could any of those guys win? For sure. No, most definitely for sure at Daytona. Some of those could be potential road course threats. It is going to be so fun to see what happens coming down to these final races of the playoffs. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, going to be able to travel to Daytona as well myself personally to be there to cover to really cover an events you know on the grounds for the first time. Because you know every time before I've been going as a fan in the stands, and I'm still going as a fan. Anytime you go to a NASCAR event, you're going as a fan because you love the sport. But also, this will be the first time that I'm really there to, to, to cover the events, and it's going to be so awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, all you know goes well. Hopefully, all protocols and everything like that is obviously safe, but but open as well. We're hoping that the world does well uh, the next few weeks and beyond, of course. So, going to be so fun to be down there at daytona international speedway i should say up there at daytona international speedway for me in south florida so one of the tracks that i get to go to regularly don't get to go to many other tracks regularly as much as daytona i mean i've only been to a few tracks but daytona is one that i usually attend every year so it's going to be so fun to be back there at the daytona international speedway but We got a few races on our radar before that. NASCAR Cup Series, Xfinity Series this weekend at the Indianapolis Road Course. Then they head to Michigan the following week with the Truck Series at Gateway. And then the playoff cutoff race for the Cup Series at Daytona. So it's going to be so much fun. And I thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of the Drivers Meeting Podcast. We'll have a lot of fun episodes planned for you in the future, uh, like that draft that I talked about earlier that we couldn't do on this show, but we're going to have it on next show for sure. It's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of cool events also planned in the future. So make sure to stay tuned. So hopefully everybody enjoys this weekend's races. you got the Xfinity race, 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern on NBCS and and then the cup race is let's see one o'clock p.m eastern on nbc so a lot of fun planned for this weekend hopefully everybody enjoys it remember practice and qualifying so make sure to tune in to all of the on track action that you can because i know i will so everybody enjoy this weekend of racing and we will see you all next week